Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast. We talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen, and I am here with my partner, the man, the myth, the legend, Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. What's up, Rod? How are you? Hey, hey, I'm doing great, and it is hard to believe that the holidays are upon us. Okay, so here's the deal, Rod. The holidays are, are just expanding. I, I think that people started <laughs> saying it was the holidays before Halloween. It's crazy. It's, uh, well, and, and just the whole, like, Black Friday turning into basically Black Week. Yep, right. It's it bigger. Yeah. Okay. We're in the process of debating. So we're having Thanksgiving at our house this year. Um, okay. My wife, Heather's family, they're all coming in. Um, so it'll be a pretty big group. And we're debating, Rod, whether we need to put up the Christmas tree so we have a, a, like a nice ambiance for Thanksgiving. But then again, it's like, it's not, it's not Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. If, Do you have an opinion on this? If you did a, a poll with my kids, uh-huh. there would be and there's there, plenty of them to poll, by the yeah, way. Yep. There would be strong opinions on both sides, but <laughs> by sheer numbers, they would vote to put the Christmas tree up. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Well, that makes me feel better. All right. Yep. I like it. Let's let's uh, put the Christmas tree up. <laughs> I think we were leaning that direction anyway, right? Yep. Just because if you're gonna have people here, like it feels nice to have a Christmas tree up. Yeah. Okay, so Rod, today we are going to talk about, um, actually, let me back up. Before we get into our topic, I have a couple of announcements I want to hit on. Ah, right. I'm excited. So first one. Yep. And and I might have mentioned this in uh, the last pod, but I want to make sure that I'm mentioning it at least like cons consistently for a while so everybody can get there. The first thing is, is we've got our new Facebook group, mm -hmm. Investment Strategies for High Income Earners. We're actually going to be trying to send out a an invite to like all of our existing clients. So even if you don't want to go look for it, you should be in the not too distant future getting in an invitation to investment strategies for high income earners. And uh, we're excited about the group. We have we have it set up to where we're doing a Facebook Live every single Tuesday afternoon. Yep. And we're putting out regular consistent content out there that we think will be really valuable. And of course, maybe more importantly is we want to create community from smarter people than us some of our you know great client investors who can you know really add value to the group so the facebook group make sure you join the facebook group if you didn't already get uh the email invitation and you're just so excited you can just go search it on facebook investment strategies for high income earners and join up join up okay so that's the first one. The second one, Rod, is that we have a few new pieces of content out there that we mm -hmm. want to make sure people are aware of. The first one is our high income money hack series. So far, we have 10 high income money hacks um, published. You can go to the website, moneyinsightsgroup.com, and you'll be able to find the, the hacks. We're excited about them. And yeah. like I said last time, we're going to be adding to them. So there's 10 today. But as we go forward, Rod and I already have um, ideas in mind of some of the other ones. In fact, I think we mentioned already that we're doing the shred, the shred mm -hmm. method as our 11th high income money hack. Yep. Okay. So in addition to that, Rod, we also have a new investor quiz up on the website. 
Yep. The investor quiz will be helpful, but it's nice and easy. So it only is five questions, give you an idea of what type of investor you are. And maybe more importantly, it'll get you into the members area of the website where you'll have curated curriculum that's specific to the type of investor you are. Yeah. And the impetus to this was that we have, we have a lot of stuff. We have the podcast, we have webinars, we have white papers, et cetera. And, but we want to give people a good starting point, but have it be personalized to who they are and what they're doing. Yeah. Great point. It's, it can be difficult. Like well, on the website, we have the education center, but it can be difficult to know like, okay, there's all of these different things. Where do I go? What should I be looking at? And our hope is that this provides a really nice roadmap to help people kind of on their journey to go from high income to high net worth. Um, okay. The last thing Rod that we have on there is our 10 step formula to financial freedom. So yeah. all of those things, they're new. You can find them on the website. Again, it's moneyinsightsgroup.com. Okay. So Rod today I'm excited for the topic because I think it's a timely topic, mm -hmm. um, based on the economic conditions we're dealing with, but here's the, here's the topic. We're going to talk about how to invest during times of recession. So the starting point, as always, is defining a couple of key points. Um, Rod, what's a recession and where, where are we at today? It's a great question. So a recession, I mean, just really basically is where the economy is is uh, struggling, for lack of a better word. So, and, and there are very specific metrics that are used to do this, but that's what gets us the, the difficulty with answering the second question of where are we today? Because some of those metrics would say we are in a recession and already have been. Like for for a, a full quarter now, uh, we're already there as measured by what's happening in the stock market. Yeah. Right? If you have a certain amount of consecutive months or quarters or these types of things, those mm -hmm. are basically what the metrics that people decide on what is a recession. And of course, there are varying definitions. So it yeah. is a difficult question to answer. Right. Because the economy as a whole actually is is an expansion unemployment is very low and it's it's confusing it is and, and the fed doesn't think we're in a recession right <laughs> yeah well and, and here's the deal rod it is confusing because we have incredibly high inflation mm -hmm. um you know obviously like rate mortgage rates have skyrocketed so it's not yeah. like people are doing a lot of refinancing and buying people want to hold on to what they've got so like there is in several areas some real slow like I think the expectation across the the board from economists is that for the most part, people are thinking that 2023 is going to be a uh, recession type year or yeah. correction type year, whatever you want to call it. But the long and short of it is it's going to be a little bit unique and a little bit different. And um, And for that reason, we thought it would be a really great time to discuss the kind of best ways to go about investing. Now, what we're not going to do is we're not going to say, hey, invest in this or invest in that. Mm -hmm. What we're going to talk about is strategies and principles to live by so that during this time we can be making like the best possible decisions um, and thinking about it maybe in a little bit different way than than most people are. Yeah, I like it. Okay, Rod, so let's get into it. The first part, and, and we have five points that we want to hit on, and I'm going to uh, just mention what they are and then we'll jump into them. The first one we want to talk about is studying success cases, right? We always talk about, you know, being around people who have already been successful and that just mm -hmm. always applies. So we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail, but first study success cases. The second thing is look to grow while others are cutting back. You know, I realized something, I need to create a little more context. So 
when I was putting together um, today's show, I, I was kind of thinking about it in dual in a dual purpose, maybe from dual perspectives. That's probably a better way to say it. From the perspective of an, of an individual, an individual investor, but also from the perspective of a business. Now, that business could be big or small, and so that's a pretty broad, you know, it's a yeah. pretty broad way to think about it. But as we talk about these things, some of them are going to be more specific to to just individuals, and really they're all specific principally across the board. But some of them maybe have a little bit more of a business flair to them. So just sure. kind of be aware of that as we're going. To, okay. So looking to grow while others are cutting backs, number two. Number three is accelerating your digital transformation. That sounds interesting, Rod. Mm -hmm. Number four, we're going to evaluate our leverage position. And finally, number five, it is important to keep cash liquid. Okay. So let's start at the top. Success stories. Uh, a couple of things to be thinking about as we get into this recession. This is just me like from a philosophical standpoint. Most of the time, most of the time, recessions are relatively short-lived. Mm -hmm. And you could go back to really several examples, whether it's a dot-com uh, bust, whether it's the more recent 2008 crisis. Normally, what we see in times of crisis, we see a short time of recession followed by a much longer extended period of like financial growth, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, the most recent example of that is 2008. And then over the last really um, 10 to 12 years, it's just been amazing economic expansion. Like yeah. everybody and their dog's been gotten rich investing in real estate and getting 30% right. returns, right? Um, well, that's not as easy today. So we have to be, we have to be aware of that. But, but again, going into your, your thought process, remembering that it usually is going to happen recession short time frame followed by economic success um one of the benefits or or maybe one of the things to think about is just that recessions tend to separate the wheat from the tares right mm -hmm. like from a company's standpoint so so you've talked about rod the interest rate reset but it's almost like a full economic and company reset, right? So while while it's not fun to go through times of recession, right? It it can be painful. And really, like the thing that I that we need to remember is that it's real people in real situations. So it can be like really painful and for difficult for people. Um, for high income earners, it's usually a little bit different. It's more of an inconvenience mm -hmm. than it is real pain. But one of the benefits that we have is that we get this reset, not just with interest rates, but also with companies. Yeah. So these companies that are kind of fly by night that maybe aren't as healthy as they seem, these companies and the economy tend to wash out and we're left with the very best companies. Okay, so an example here is many of the, like the biggest and best companies that we know of today were in that phase previous to either the dot-com bubble or 2008. And now we've seen like some of the greatest wealth created in the history of the world by investing in those companies. I have a couple of examples. So if you think about companies like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Netflix, Google, all of those companies are companies we know and are huge now, mm -hmm. but they were in a similar position to where they had to overcome. And many of them, if you read their stories, were like on the verge of not making it through some of those times. They managed to come out the other side. And of course, if you invested in any of those places, you have made a lot of money. Yeah, a Amazon comes to mind because, and even from the beginning, they they knew they were going to lose money for a long time, kind of like 
uh, like what we talk, the way we talk about leverage, sometimes it takes time to build that up. But once it does, mm-hmm. man, it just, it just, you know, goes crazy. But when you're in the midst of the dot-com bust and you're seeing the pets.com and some of these others, you know, going by the wayside that were pretenders, so to speak, but they're alongside a company like Amazon that's losing money that mm. looks like, or could be uh, perceived as a, as a pretender. And, and yet, obviously, you know, we know the story and, and it, it turned out like amazing. But at the time, there were question marks. You know, another thing it makes me think of, do you remember when we had uh, Jeremy on and he was doing kind of a, a market review? Yeah, for yeah. Us? And he talked about zombie companies. Oh, yeah. Zombie. He did talk. That's what we're talking about. We got to get rid yeah. of the zombies. Yeah. And to, <laughs> just to maybe remind people the way he defined it was these were companies uh, a year ago, even within the last like, well, decade even because interest rates were so low they could sustain themselves on new debt rather than producing any uh like positive revenue growth and 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 but it went on so long that they they call them zombies because it was like you're you're past dead right like you should you should be gone but you're still (laughs) there because of just this cheap access to debt yeah and and of course that can only last so long right can only last so long um okay so the key here though the takeaway is to study the success cases and maybe the failures right Mm -hmm. to learn the places that you can go and kind of see trends but uh, you know most of the people that we talk to are are pretty strong real estate investors and alternative asset investors and really the same situation applies right Mm -hmm. like like again i'm looking at recent history but you could go back further but if when you if you started investing um, after let's say 2010, like it was just crazy for the last decade, right? Yeah. You've been you've done really really well over that time frame. Um, so keeping in mind that there's opportunities that come from, and we're going to talk more about that. Okay, study success cases number number two, Rod. Here's the key: you've got to look to grow while others are cutting back. Now. This is coming at it a little bit from a business perspective, but I think it applies across the board, whether you're an individual or a business or, or whether you're just like an individual who's investing and therefore become a business, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like, I think the same principles apply. Um, but I want to read a quote from the Harvard Business Review, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Sweet. Okay, so here's what they said. They said, a recession is the best time to acquire resources for the forthcoming expansion, all while your competitors are cutting back. It's also an opportune time to acquire companies and buy assets at the fire sale prices. For example, some biotechnology companies are now available for less than their cash holdings, which is wild, right? That's crazy. From 2008 to 2010, big tech acquired hundreds of new companies and patents. In addition to gaining employees and assets, it's the right time to gain market share by attracting dissatisfied dissatisfied customers from competitors as they cut down on customer service. Okay, so again, we're talking about it from a business perspective, but the same thing applies on a personal level, right? We can be looking to grow and looking for opportunities to grow while people are scared, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's really the best time to do it. Yeah, they're they're scared and or they're in a position of uh, just financial crisis themselves, and they have to start selling assets to to make up for it. So, real estate. As a great example, uh, there are going to be great opportunities, even though right now it feels like we're, we're kind of stuck in the mire 
because of the in- increase in the interest rates. Well, the increase in increase in interest rates is going to help, uh, I guess, kind of force the hand of, of some mm-hmm. of these people that that are then going to have to liquidate. And and then if you're ready and in and in a good position, then you can take advantage of those. Yeah, that's a great point. So on an individual level, it's going to have that effect. Um, and then as a whole, it's going to reset prices a little bit, right? Yeah. I, I say that we don't know. I'm not an economist, but I think most economists today, based on my research, are suggesting that we we should see a you know five to ten percent decrease in um, housing over the next year. So yeah. so it's going to be one of those times. And and again, if you live in, depending on what what part of the country, like if you live in the West, it's probably going to be more drastic, right? Mm-hmm. So like so like I might have an opportunity to um, invest in something that's significantly below kind of, you know, the general prices because I live in a certain place or because I'm choosing to invest in a certain place. Yeah. So that's just one something of the, to think about. One of the words that jumped out at me when you're uh, reading that quote from the business Harvard, Harvard view is the, they mentioned patents and that just, just kind of brings up the point that you can be creative, like the, the kind of assets that have value and will have value moving forward in this case, they were mentioning specifically big tech companies buying other companies, not necessarily because that company in and of itself had value, but but the patents that they had ha- had huge value that they could take advantage of and and really make good use of. So it's not even necessarily always the, in this case, the business itself. It can be assets that come with it. Yeah, that's a really great point. Okay, so first one, study success cases second one look to grow while others are oh i have to tell a story look to grow while others are cutting back this reminds me of uh when i was in high school and i had a buddy who was really good at football um he was like he's like the toughest kid i ever met in my life and he was he was a green beret at like 18 like he just was a crazy tough kid anyway um i probably not 18 but like 20 um anyway he had a philosophy that I always thought was funny and we would do this cause we were, we were buddies and it was to work out, um, while our opponents were sleeping. Okay. So, <laughs> so I remember we'd go like, you know, this is when I was like probably 14 years old. We'd like, you have sleepovers at friends' houses all the time, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. We'd, yeah. we'd get up at like three in the morning and get out there and like <laughs> bust it because we were going to, anyway, it, it's kind of a, like, it's kind of ridiculous. That's funny. Um, it probably doesn't matter when you work out, but I think the, the thought here is that there is, there is some value in going against the grain and doing things when, when the, you know, when everybody's pushing one direction, that just creates opportunities to do something a little different. Yeah. Okay. So there's my story. Great. I like it. Okay. Number three, Rod, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what it means to accelerate digital transformation? This is one I got from a, from an article, but I thought it was really, I just thought it was relevant. So anyway, talk to us about what it means to accelerate digital transformation. Yeah. Well, I think the, the biggest thing maybe to point out is uh, COVID kind of forced us to do this right to, to a large extent. And that is just like uh, looking at technological advances that have happened that we can take advantage of to make our make ourselves as an individual or, or as a business uh, better. So more specifically, um, you know, there are archaic archaic ways that we do things, and that also I would say impacts our thinking and and just our philosophy and our approach to the way we do things that can be 
transformed as we take advantage of new tools, digital tools that are out there that can help. So when we, when we talk about transformation, it's not just it's not just changing the way that we do things, but it's it becomes like a whole mindset behind the way that we approach life or or a business um, that can be transformational. You know, it's interesting, Rod. I was thinking about this. Seven or eight years ago, we used to be really cool because we did all of our business online, mm -hmm. right? Met with people across the country online over Zoom or whatever. Um, and that, and we would use like the cool whiteboard and write on it. And it was, you know, easy to engage with people. Mm -hmm. Well, like you said, to your point, we are not cool by doing that anymore. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. Um, yeah. and so like that we, but, but can I just tell you, even doing that was a, was a huge advantage for us for so many years when other people weren't doing it. Right. Because mm -hmm. most people didn't know how to do business across state lines. Yeah. Um, in our industry. So being able to do that really gave us an opportunity to do something different. And again, that acceleration of digital um, use probably made us millions of dollars to be just mm -hmm. blatantly honest with you. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about it is uh, we, we shut down our physical office in 2015 and, and began working out of our home offices. But at the time when uh, when I was on with people, I was, I was kind of like embarrassed to, <laughs> to say anything about working out of a home office because there was just a stigma around that. Right. Whereas now yeah, because of what we do, the way that we do it, people just assume that we, that, that that's how we do our business. And there's, there's no surprise. It's like, you know, <laughs> a lot of people doing it, but it, uh, anyway, there, there was kind of some funny moments. Uh, no, it is. I totally agree with you there there. And it wasn't that long ago that, like I say, legitimacy was lessened. If you yep. didn't have a physical office in yep. our world, we were looking at it and just saying it was way more efficient, right? Like mm -hmm. we have the same kind of powerful conversations today with people in this way, like Rod, we see each other like once every few months, maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we have a close relationship. We talk every day, like, and that's how it's been with clients. And so, Again, just emphasizing that there's huge value in finding ways to uh, get more efficient, more effective digitally. And those are just kind of the tipping point. Talk about a couple of the other things that are important. Yeah. Okay. So, so it, it does, it, it is efficiency. Uh, I don't have to commute the, and, and it wasn't a long commute. It was maybe 20 minutes each direction. Um, but, but that's time that I can now be using in the business rather than going there. So again, that's just one example, but it's efficiency. It, it can reduce costs in, in a lot of ways, both in terms of like real costs of, of again, f gas to, to, you mm -hmm. know, commute and maintain the, the vehicle or whatever. Um, but, but maybe even more than that is uh, especially in our type of business, one of our largest costs, and, and this is the case with a lot of businesses is labor. The, to the extent that we, use uh, technology to make ourselves more efficient then we reduce that cost of labor and, and that can be huge yeah i totally agree and really like our business we've kind of run on about an 80 percent profit margin largely for this reason largely mm -hmm. for because of the fact that we have consistently utilized um, um just digital opportunities i think about our crm and like that's not new for people to have mm -hmm. but like but like it would probably take us a dozen employees to do the work of what our CRM is Absolutely. doing. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, all of that automated stuff. I've talked about it, right? Having automated processes and things, mm -hmm. but 
all of those things lead to greater efficiency and lower cost and um you know you just get leaner and meaner right and that's what, where i talked about it being transformational because yes it it is more efficient and, and some of these examples we've used like you isolate them and you say okay yeah great i don't have to drive therefore it's less cost or it's, or it's yeah know, time that i'm not spending in the car uh, but it's it, it's a mindset. It, it becomes different because of the way we approach it, the the efficiencies, the processes, the uh, those things that can happen because we're implementing these types of tools. I would say it's a lot. We ha we have a lot better meetings with our clients because of the technology we're able to use than the good old days when we sat across the table with them and we were shifting paper back and forth and and doing all of this. We couldn't anticipate all the things we needed to bring with us, first of all. And then second of all, a piece of paper, I'm either holding it in front of me or I'm pushing it in front of them. <laughs> and and it's, you know, it's so then you've got to have two pieces of paper, two Yeah, pieces. right. But again, even then, everybody. like how are you mark now? You get on there, you put it up on the screen, and you can mark exactly where to look at. It's just yeah, not only that, Rod, but we can see each other too. So yeah. like the nonverbal communication is still at least some level. Okay, we could get into sure. that. I think those are really, really good examples, Rod. Okay. Um, do we have anything else we want to hit on uh, around uh, digital transformation? I mean, with as we're doing that, it, it gives us more opportunities to have improved visibility. Again, from a business standpoint, improved visibility with our customers, customer acquisition costs can go down dramatically by taking advantage of, of the kind of technological advances. And another interesting thing is going back to the whole idea of recession, uh, a lot of tech companies are laying employees off right now. And so if you're in a position where you're wanting to expand your technological footprint, so to speak, well, you can snag some of these people uh, who are now available that weren't for the last mm. man who, who knows, like yeah. two decades because the tech companies couldn't hire enough. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really interesting point. Okay, Rod, that's, uh, okay, so that's Accelerate Digital Transformation. We have two more critical, important points. Number four. And this is as big as any of them, Rod. You've got to evaluate your leverage position. Mm -hmm. um, this kind of might seem a little bit obvious, but if we just learn from history, right? How many people do we all individually know, especially in the real estate space, who just became over leveraged and couldn't manage it any longer, right? It yeah. felt like it felt like anything anyone touched went to gold because things were going up so quickly. And so people were buying up as quickly as they could. And then it just changed so quickly mm -hmm. on a dime that all of a sudden there's people who were doing great, you know, making tons of money, creating housing, doing like some cool things. But all of a sudden they just, you know, found that they had too much going on and they couldn't manage the important pieces of that cash flow, liquid capital, those types of things that are really critical to making sure that you're not over leveraged. Yeah. And you're talking about the 2008 recession, right? Yeah. And learn from 2008. That's the easiest example. But again, you could go back in blocks and see that from several other recessions where it's mm -hmm. been something pretty similar. I think maybe one of the messages to me on this is when things are going great, just realize like take advantage of, of that, grow with it, but just realize it doesn't last forever. Some yeah. something's gonna happen, something's gonna break. In this case, the it was it was a real estate bubble. And so that's why, you know, being over leveraged in real estate was especially hard at that time. But but 
it's just being prudent in the way that you manage your leverage. We often talk about conservative leverage. Make sure that to the extent that you are using leverage, you're very you're careful. You're still cautious in the way that you approach it. You don't let yourself get kind of carried away with it. Rod, there there are actually very easy ways to manage leverage, right? Mm -hmm. So we just think about it economically and logically. Obviously, I can manage leverage to the extent that I have money to pay for leverage. Okay, so that means I probably need to do two things well. I need to make sure that I manage my cash flow well, right? And what we would recommend to anybody, regardless of whether it's, you know, things are going awesome or whether we're in a recession, is that we always make sure that we're dramatically outpacing in cash flow what's having to go out to pay for debts. Mm -hmm. That seems obvious, but like when things are going really great and leverage is just like, we're just like winning every time we throw it out there, it yeah. can become easy to kind of get our hands stuck in the cookie jar by trying to do too much too quickly. So mm -hmm. always managing cash flow and making sure that I have more cash flow coming in, significantly more cash flow coming in than I have cash flow or, or, debt payments going out, I think is super critical. And then we're going to talk about the, we're going to talk about the importance of having liquid capital here in a second. But I also like your point of using conservative leverage. So mm -hmm. it's not like we have to avoid leverage altogether at this right. point, right? Rather, we want to take advantage of the conservative leverage opportunities that can take us to the next level. So um, investing in real estate when real estate prices decline is a, is a fantastic way to, and doing it with leverage makes complete sense, yeah. right? As long as, as long as I've actually, I have cash on hand and I've got my cash flow situation managed. If I can do those things, then I'm usually in a pretty strong position, even if I'm actively working and using leverage. Yeah. We talked about the fire cell idea earlier. And leverage is a great, great way to do that. We, and one of the examples that uh, that you read about was these companies that were, but they were buying up for the purchase price was less than their cash. Yeah, asset. that's wild, isn't it? it? It's crazy to think about. And yet, if you can do that, then that's a situation where using leverage is just makes all the sense in the world because you have the asset to back it up. Why not use the leverage? Why why eat up all your free cash to do it if if you could instead use the leverage to buy it? Yeah, great point. Okay, Rod. Finally, we're going to talk about the importance of keeping liquid cash on hand. So, um, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you you kind of made the point here a second ago. It does go hand in hand with this whole idea of leverage. To the extent that we're using leverage, we want to make sure we have. A safety net that's built into it. And one of the really scary things, you and I both have, have met with people who get so caught up in, in some of the things that are going on that they, they no longer keep any sort of liquid cash position. Yeah. They're out there doing, you know, big real estate deals or big, you know, business deals. And it, it hurts, right. In a situation like that it does hurt to have the cash sitting there and it's, and it's not, you're not able to use it to kind of build all these other things you're doing, but it's absolutely necessary. You have to do it, even though it, it's, it could be painful and especially with inflation being what it is, et cetera. Like all we, we get all of that, but you have to have some cash that's, that's liquid and, and somewhere that, that you can access it quickly, access it so quickly. It, that reminds me, Rod, we, we talked uh, in the last couple of weeks about why some people don't implement the investment optimizer. Yeah. Right? And 
this kind of reminds me of that conversation in the sense that some people don't do it because they're so excited about the next deal that they can't even fathom the idea of having to wait like uh, a month to create, mm -hmm. you know, millions of more dollars. Like I can't do that because this investment's too important to me right now. And that, you know, even, even small, small chunks of money at times, people are like, Oh no, that has to be deployed. That has to be. Deployed. Yeah. And, and it is a balancing act, right? Like we don't want a bunch of money sitting on the sideline doing nothing. That's not valuable or helpful. The mm -hmm. nice thing is if we use something like the investment optimizer, we don't have to feel nearly as bad if it's not, because at least it's doing something for us, generally mm -hmm. outpacing inflation and creating a tax-free return while we're looking for the opportunity. But anyway, I, I like your point because I do think that we see that and it's important to be balanced and making sure that we're, you know, balanced. Yeah. And times like this are a great time to capitalize the investment optimizer because of, well, we have more cash sitting on the sideline, fewer opportunities that, that we're able to jump on. So if you find yourself that that, that was kind of your thought process and, and you felt like you didn't want to take the time to put the money into the investment optimizer, well, now's, now's a good time to do that. Okay, Rod, I remember a conversation that we had with Dane Wamwell. And okay. Dane, we had on the podcast, uh, it was early on, I don't remember the episode number, but uh, one of the conversations, this wasn't in the episode, but one of the conversations that we had with him was interesting. We were working with a client and I remember him, uh, it was a client who probably at that time was extreme on the other side, right? They were just like insistent on keeping tons of cash millions. on the sideline. Yeah. Yep. Millions of dollars because they're like the, the, and this was like five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. They're like the, the market's been going, it's been hot for this long. It's going to, but it's it's going to break, things are going to go sour, and we're going to pick up the, the pieces, right? Mm -hmm, Which mm -hmm. is an interesting and uh, an interesting idea. Of course, you know, if you did that five years ago, you've missed out on a massive amount of growth in the interim. So yeah. we're not suggesting that. But here's what Dane said. He, he said uh, something to the effect of having tons of cash on hand when the market or when there's a recession or a downturn is how people get rich. Mm -hmm. And it was just a simple idea, but like there's a lot of truth to it, yep. right? There's a lot of people who have gotten wealthy by starting to invest in the real estate market in 2008, 9, 10. Like mm -hmm. right after that crash, people started getting things for cents on the dollar. If you had cash on hand, like, gosh, you've gotten ridiculous returns over the last yeah. 15 years, right? Yep. Okay. Um, finally, Rod, keeping liquid cash on hand. We, we talked about how it's great for fire sales, but it's also important because it helps manage cash flow and leverage. So mm -hmm. up to our point about evaluating your cash or your leverage position, having um, at least enough cash on hand that you're able to appropriately manage the debts is critical. So that's kind of our five point outlook or our, our suggestions, I should say on how to invest philosophically how to invest during a recession perfect i like it okay rod it's been fun game set and match uh, thanks everybody for listening to the money insights podcast and we will see you next week thank you for listening to the money insights podcast to learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show please visit moneyinsights.net
The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.